We are in the middle of our series on Romans 12, 14 through 21, entitled, How to Overcome Evil, a very important matter for every Christian. Those of us who do counseling see defeated Christians who have been overcome by evil. Again and again, that's what we see in our counseling center. So this series of broadcasts is preventive, really, rather than remedial. It's something that is aimed at trying to help you not to get into that position where you need counseling. But if you're in a desperate situation, it also might help you get out of it. And so what is the basic format for overcoming evil? Well, verse 21 tells us, do not be overcome by evil. We are in a battle, we're in a war, we're not to lose it. But overcome evil with good. We're to win that war, we're to set the foes, uh, uh, set back the foe and his, his, his battle lines and turn him around and send him running. And the way we do it is by doing good in response to the evil that he does to us. The only way you could defeat evil is with good. You certainly can't defeat evil with more of the same. Now, we've looked at verse 14 which says to bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. Instead of saying nasty things back in return, we are to ask God not to do evil toward them, but to do good toward them. To bless them means to pray to God that he will do good for those who have done evil to us. Now, last time we looked at the verse following that, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And we said, that in order to press this battle against the foe as we should, we who know Christ need to stand together and fight the evil that sometimes gets between us. And one way to do that is to become extremely sensitive to each other, not only to our needs, but also to our joys, not only to our problems and sorrows with which we weep together, but also to the things over which we are so happy and thrilled and, and grateful to God. And we need to become that kind of a, a unit, a body, one body working together so that if a, a thumb over here is injured, the whole body knows it and feels it. But if something good happens to the body, every other part of the body uh, enters into that goodness as well. Of course, that kind of empathy over which verse, about which verse 15 is speaking about means to feel something together, but not necessarily to face things in exactly the same way as the other person does. If you're really going to help a brother or a sister, when you're empathetic, you, you enter into his situation and you feel it, but you don't necessarily say, yeah, uh, that's all you can do about it, what you're doing. Indeed, if he's being defeated by that circumstance, you know that he's not doing all that he can do about it, and so you may have to confront him with what the Word of God says to do instead, confront him with a biblical alternative. In fact, the more deeply that you feel his problem, or the more deeply you enter into his joy, the more you may have to recognize that he needs to know something from the Word of God about that that he does not know. Now there's one more verse in this section that tells us about how we can come together as an army, how this army may be welded together and molded together into a fighting force that acts as one man. Look what he says in verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. That's the first thing. Secondly, do not be haughty in mind, but associate with lowly things. Thirdly, do not be wise in your own estimation. 
all these verses are saying we need each other. They're saying, first of all, that we have to come together in our attitudes. Now, it doesn't mean we all have to believe exactly the same thing. The word mind in the scriptures does not necessarily mean our intellectual processes alone. It means our attitudes, that we are to have the same basic attitudes toward God, toward the world, toward one another, that we are, we are to basically want the same things so that we're not working at, at odds with one another, at cross purposes, that we have the same basic information from the word of God and that we want to serve God together and we're both facing the same foe rather than fighting one another. That's what he's talking about here getting to the place where we can stand side by side and shoulder to shoulder face the enemy. Instead of all the squabbles and the difficulties within the church that we sometimes see, he's saying, be of the same mind toward one another. In fact, in Philippians 2, we get a very good complement to this passage in which he talks about how we can become of the same mind toward one another. And there he says, first, that we are to look on each man as better than ourselves. And secondly, he says, to be more interested in the concerns of the other person than in our own welfare and our own concerns. That means if somebody has better gifts for playing the piano than you who has just moved into the congregation, that you ought to be willing to give up that piano seat and let that brother or sister take it in your place. That means that if God has given gifts for leadership that are greater than yours, and you have been the Sunday school superintendent up until this time, but of course you uh, knew that you were not quite adequate for it, but now God has sent someone who is adequate that you should rejoice over that and invite that person to either help or take that Sunday school superintendentship instead of you, to put others first and to look on them as better than you when they really are, and to be more concerned about their interests than yours be more concerned. When is the last time that you prayed that Joe might get a raise? When's the last time that you asked God to bless another family in that, that kind of a concrete way? You see, we need to be of the same mind toward one another. Secondly, we should not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly or with lowly things as it might read. That is, we shouldn't spend our time being ambitious for getting to, uh, to be in the limelight, to be first, getting into the place of preeminence. We should not aspire for wealth and for uh, position and for fame and for that kind of thing, but be willing to take a humble place in the church of Jesus Christ. Let the Lord himself or the people of God themselves move you up higher. But when you enter, don't take the first seat. Take the last seat and let someone else say, come up here higher at the table. This is what he's talking about when he says, don't be haughty in mind. Be willing to do the simple, humble tasks around the church. Be willing to help here, help somebody there. Be an assistant rather than actually take the position. And then finally, he says, do not be wise in your own estimation. That is, you need to recognize that there are others in the church, others who can help you and whose help you need. You don't have all the answers, neither do they, but they have some that you don't have and you have some that they don't have. And so you need to continually seek their answers and to continually seek their help. There are some people who think they have it all settled themselves and really accept the counsel of no one else. How important in this matter of counseling itself 
this is. There are Christians who will hurt, whose marriages are a mess, who will suffer for years, maybe for a lifetime, a miserable kind of relationship in that home who could have gotten it solved years ago if they were but to humble themselves and seek the counsel of some pastor or other Christian brother or sister who could bring healing and help into that home. What a tragedy that we don't see that the eye needs the foot and the foot needs the eye and the ear needs the hand and the hand needs the ear. God has not given us all the same gifts. He's given all different gifts, but all need all the gifts that God has given in each congregation. Now that will make a strong body able to do good when we live that way toward one another. This we pray, Lord, may be true of each of our congregations and each of us. For Christ's sake, amen.